0: Hey, what's up? My name's Ben.
1: And I'm Nicole, and you're listening to Wicked and Grim.
0: A true crime podcast.
1: Welcome. <sighs> welcome, welcome. How's it going,
0: everyone? Welcome back to Wicked and Grim, the uh, true crime podcast where we pretend to pronounce things correctly when really we can't.
1: Actually, we're doing good. We're getting We're better. doing pretty
0: good. We are.
1: And um, this case has been okay because it's Canadian. So, like, there's some hard words in there, but I don't know how to pronounce them.
0: Like... Coquitlam
1: and Nanaimo.
0: There we go. <laughs> we got those down pat. So
1: there you go.
0: <laughs> We've been to both those places. So we yeah, know. We know. We know. We know. Um, what do we got to talk about today? Um, okay. I saw my first robin.
1: <gasps> spring is in the air in It's Prince officially George, spring.
0: BC. Um, yeah. We're a
1: little bit behind.
0: <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners are <laughs> a little more Southern than us. And they're like, it's been spring for like a month. What are you talking about? Um, we still have a foot of snow on our We front still lawn.
1: actually do have snow. It's kind of depressing. But at this point, it gets a little bit refreshing when it's like, it's melting at a pretty steady level, really. It
0: is. It's not going to last much longer. Give it another two, maybe three weeks. It'll all be gone. Sweet. Other than a couple snow piles here and there, you know? Yes. But... It's been the sun shining. It was warm. I was in a t-shirt today. It was oh, great. It's just the best.
1: I didn't get outside really at all today. It was a little a little bit a little bit depressing. Well,
0: you were oh, hunk- you were hunkered down in the I tiny home. I was
1: hunkering down. <laughs> I had to I, did, would, I had a deadline.
0: How was tiny home life today hunkering down, researching and not leaving this like 400 square foot building?
1: It was okay. It was, it was okay. okay. It was all right.
0: That's it. I survived. You survived? Yeah. Well, w- I'm glad I'm no, really glad you survived.
1: It was good. The dogs were outside, so it was good they weren't bothering me.
0: No farts on the inside of the house? No. 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 Well, that's good. It's a bonus.
1: And it's your birthday on Saturday.
0: Is it a Saturday?
1: You're turning 30, right?
0: I'm turning
1: 29. I'm <laughs> 20.
0: turning 20.
1: <laughs> you go that back that far, <laughs> hey? No,
0: I'm uh, I'm turning 34 years old. Wow. Yeah. You and I are the same age. You're so
1: pretty much like an give old you, man.
0: Give you six months and you'll be turning 34. I'm
1: only 33.
0: Well, so am I right now.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't have my birthday on Saturday.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. And then after that, you you need to listen to everything I say because I'm the wise old man. Oh, my
1: goodness. Yeah. And I gave you some sweet options of things we can do. And you chose pizza and beer.
0: Pizza, beer, and watch a movie at home.
1: hmm That's yeah. what you chose. Yeah. That's, that's going to be fun, chill. actually.
0: Super chill okay, what do you guys do for your birthday? Because I know like for me, there was this one point where it's like, I just don't want to do parties and stuff anymore. I just want to just chill at home and I don't care if there's even big dinners or anything. I could do it without pizza and beer. Like...
1: What? You wouldn't care if, there, if it was literally just like an, a normal day? Like nothing and it wasn't even yeah, acknowledged? Exactly. What? that I don't allow that. I actually, okay, I actually think birthdays are a very important thing because... They are privileged day that are not granted to some people. So that's very I true. do think that birthday should be celebrated very much. So
0: that's very true. But I think a lot of people, not all, but a lot of people in this world over celebrate their birthday. They think that yeah. well, it is my day. Everything should be for me. It's like fuck off. You're not that special. You know what I mean?
1: It needs to be acknowledged. And I think something needs to be special yeah. has to happen. In my opinion,
0: for me, I mean, we live a good enough life that I don't need a special day dedicated to me. You know, if if I want. I can go out and buy pizza any day I want and just be like, oh, special day for Ben.
1: Oh, can I cancel you know I mean? the chocolate-covered Oreos?
0: Okay, you can't cancel those. <laughs> that is my birthday cake in lieu of. If you guys haven't had chocolate-covered Oreos, oh my God.
1: Oh, we have a friend that makes them and they're so good. They're so good. They're so good. I, ordered, like, I ordered you two dozen, dude.
0: She's even dusted them with like edible like gold powder before. Yeah. Like a mica powder, but it's edible. and It yeah. looks fucking fancy and it's delicious as shit.
1: We'll have to post some.
0: Oh, 100%. We'll, we'll do
1: something. We'll do something. Yeah. Okay, so we got some patrons to thank.
0: We do. Uh, we uh, Nicole's reading today. Well,
1: I have a ton of names to pronounce in this case, so I was like, I'll add some more to it. You there know, we go. We got it. You got it. Okay, where do we leave off? Okay, so we have Abigail Marie Smith, Samantha Dukes, Marissa Webb, Tammy Earl, Elizabeth Short, and Kelsey Austin.
0: All Awesome people who joined us over on Patreon. Thank you very much for your support. actually
1: like easy enough names for me to pronounce. So hopefully I didn't fuck any of those up, but I don't think I did.
0: You know, I think it's not that they're necessarily easier names. I think we're just getting better at this.
1: Oh yeah, that could be it too.
0: It's our awesome skill level of pronunciation going Mm -hmm. up in the world, I think.
1: Okay, and I'm actually super proud of myself because... I finished the Robert Picton case. You did. And I've literally been putting this case off for a whole year. So, you know what? Well done. Well, it's... Well done.
0: <laughs> major pat on the back to you because it is a major case that's been looming over us. It's one that from day one of the podcast, we're like, we have to do this case. Mm-hmm. It's one that we've had people request time and T- time again. Tons. Our most requested case. And it's... It's deep. It's Ugh, horrendous. It's a lot. So well done for, for getting through this one. Yeah. For sure.
1: I definitely had to have a nice hot shower before this. So, um, Okay. And if you're just listening to this and you're like thinking this is part one, it's not part one. This is part two, yo. So you got to go back and, and listen. listen to the last episode cuz it was part 1.
0: Yeah. Hit part 1 up and then part 2.
1: And um yeah, part 1 I feel like was pretty mild. It was like mostly talking about Robert Picton's past, his like upbringing. Um basically kind of up to the point where shit really started going south, I guess. We talked about like Pinky Palace and how um about the downtown Vancouver east side and yeah, so.
0: And some of the incidents that uh, happened surrounding Picton's childhood that kind of potentially led him on this path.
1: <laughs> very much so potentially could have led him on this path. So this this one is a bit more, um, like the warning we put at the beginning is a bit more.
0: <laughs> Emphasis on it.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I was like, what is the word? I don't even know how to say it.
0: Yeah. So trigger warning on this because yeah. it's it's a heavy case. It
1: is very heavy. And yeah, we finished last episode um with I was about to tell you about the story of Wendy Lynn Eyesteader. So now I'm going to share that story.
0: All right, let's get the bowl roll, bowl, ball. Get the ball the rolling. The roll? <laughs> no, if it was a bowl, we'd be packing the bowl.
1: I have no idea. Okay.
0: You don't get it, ha <laughs> because you don't smoke the marijuana. Not that I do oh, either. Oh, I don't also, get it. Also, it's completely legal in oh, British that Columbia. I, okay, Just I get it saying. now.
1: See, my, my brain doesn't go there.
0: You're too innocent.
1: I know, I am too innocent sometimes, shit. Okay. Okay, okay, so it was the evening of march twenty second nineteen ninety seven Robert had picked up Wendy Lynn Isetter from the downtown East Side. Wendy was thirty years old. she unfortunately was addicted to heroin and cocaine, an addiction that cost her two hundred dollars a day. Wow, that's just like some and I have another one in here where it's like how much someone spends. It's just like, whoa. That is a lot of money. That's
0: a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I mean, it's honestly, if you're spending that much, especially what what year is this?
1: This was like 1997.
0: So yeah, spending two hundred dollars a day in 1997, uh, yeah, that's most a lot. people are going to end up on the streets because how are you going to afford are, that? Exactly.
1: Yeah, man, that's sad. that's,
0: that's mind blowing. Okay.
1: So she had two little kids who lived with her father, and she tried to beat her addiction many times, but unfortunately was never successful. The evening Robert picked her up, she was particularly desperate to make money, and though she only charged $40 a blowjob, Robert had offered her $100. You see, earlier that night, she had hit up the, can- the casino and lost $60. She needed to earn that money back so her boyfriend slash pimp didn't find out. Hmm. So she needed like, so that extra little bit of money was like, would do it for her, right?
0: Well, that's going to probably stop some, a physical altercation exactly. most likely. So it's so quite was, literally going to save her ass.
1: She was in a rough position. Dang. Dang. She, Robert was offering to pay the extra money because he wanted to bring her back to his place in Port Coquitlam, which was a further distance than she would normally travel. When they got to Robert's house, she remembers thinking to herself, what a pigsty his place was. His bedroom had no bed, just a sleeping bag on the floor with a thick roll of clear plastic. And at first it was like, oh my gosh, it's so Dexter. But I think that the plastic was actually like for cushioning.
0: Yeah, most likely.
1: Robert paid Wendy and they did their exchange. Once finished, Wendy needed to use the bathroom, where she in- attempted to inject herself with an equal mix of heroin and cocaine, but unfortunately missed the vein in her leg and didn't get high. This may have been a blessing in disguise, though, because when she came out of the bathroom and was looking through the, pay- the phone book for a number, Robert approached her from behind. He began to caress her left hand before slipping a handcuff around her wrist. This triggered a fight reaction to occur inside her, and she began to punch, kick, and scream.
0: Fucking good.
1: Like, go, go, go.
0: I remember the first time I actually heard this story, and I was just like on the edge of my seat because holy fuck. I know. I can't imagine being in her shoes. Oh,
1: my gosh. She also remembered seeing a large butcher knife on the kitchen table so she directed the fight towards the kitchen so she could grab the knife, unfortunately grabbing the sharp edge rather than the handle initially and cutting her hand quite badly. This did not stop her, though, and she started swinging the knife in Robert's direction and getting him in the throat. She searched for a way out, throwing whatever she could find in the direction of Robert. She blacked out at one point, waking up outside but still in mid-fight with the knife in her hand, frantically jabbing at Robert. Robert got the knife away from her, but then he himself lost consciousness. This was her opportunity to run, which she did to the closest neighbor's house, but no one was home. She then saw headlights approaching, worried at first it could be Robert, so she hid, but noticed there was two people in the car, one being a woman. She waved the car down with it initially passing, but a few minutes later, it came back. It was an elderly couple, and they were appalled at what they were seeing. Like, could you imagine? Oh,
0: God, I can't imagine.
1: Wendy was absolutely covered in blood. Apparently, her guts were also spilling out of her stomach. And like, oh, my gosh, I just think, like, this, that makes me sound like a terrible person, but I'm like so cautious like just so cautious. And I would honestly have trouble stopping. But if I was like with you and it was just maybe like a single person like that, but then also people do some really fucked up shit to get like people in situations sometimes.
0: Yeah. You don't know. Like, I I hate to say it because yeah, you're right. It sounds terrible, but there's situations where someone could be flagging a vehicle down and faking a scenario like that to get you. Yeah. And that's unfortunately the world we live in today, which is horrible.
1: I know to actually have to think twice about helping someone yeah. like it's it's shit. But something I didn't even put in here is like she was holding the knife still. And then the man was like, don't stab us kind of thing. But then she's like dropped her knife right away. So I think he was like very clear that she just like needed help and wasn't mm-hmm. actually going to harm them. But still. Oh. Anyway, they got Wendy to the hospital where it was initially not looking good for her. The doctors weren't sure if she was going to make it. As they are working on Wendy, though, another stab wound victim was brought to the hospital.
0: Robert. Robert fucking picked in.
1: Like, that's screwed. He actually went to a different hospital initially. Oh, did he? And I I bet you he did that himself. But then because of his wounds, he was transferred to this one that Mm. was more capable to deal with it. So within his belongings was a key, a key that just so happened to open the handcuff on Wendy's wrist. Yeah. Like WTF.
0: Right. Like that's, that's a smoking fucking gun right there. Yeah. It is.
1: Wendy thankfully would recover and told the police everything, but she did leave out that Robert was paying for sex in hopes that she could keep the $100 she earned. The challenge she like that kind of breaks my heart a little. Yeah, it is. Robert's version of the story was a little different. Basically, that Wendy came out of the bathroom after injecting herself with drugs, saw that Robert had thirty four hundred dollars sitting on the kitchen table, demanded that she wanted her money up front, and started grabbing for the money when the fight broke out. So Robert basically was saying that he was protecting himself in his mm-hmm. story. Like go fuck yourself.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> I'm and, sorry. It comes down to who are you gonna believe? I mean, it's one person against one person. Where's the proof? Yeah. Can't prove shit.
1: So anyway, fast forward a little bit. Robert was charged with attempted murder.
0: Oh, he was for this? hmm Oh, shit.
1: Assault with a weapon and forcible confinement. But he had money. And so he hired one of Vancouver's best known criminal lawyers, which hired a private detective to get as much background info on Wendy as possible. And it's it's unclear if Wendy was aware that there was, like, a private detective on her, but she was terrified of of Robert, and rightfully so. And so she didn't show up in court, and therefore the judge dropped all the charges against Robert.
0: That's right. Yeah. Okay. That's why I was, like, really confused at first. I was like, wait, there was charges? But Mm -hmm. no, that's right. Okay. Now I remember. Yep. fuck. I'm... And she has every right to be that fucking terrified of someone like that.
1: Well, he's actually kind of like a pretty powerful guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, money gives you a lot of power and he had a lot of money. Well,
0: not only that, he's got a fucking bar that people like who roll with the Hells Angels are chilling at all the time.
1: Oh, yeah. That would still be open at this point, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah. So yeah. he's
0: he's got connections with some people you don't want to fuck some with.
1: scary people, actually. Yeah that's true oh my gosh i just hate that position that she was put in
0: yeah and then like you say the money as well to hire whoever or whatever Mm -hmm. fuck that's scary
1: so it went into a lot of detail with wendy's story unlike the majority of the other women, the other women her story is known she was a survivor of robert picton and the glimpse into her story may paint a picture of what some of these other women went through who suffered a different fate Now, there are some other noteworthy incidents that happened that should also have gotten Robert caught and put behind bars, but they didn't.
0: Of course.
1: Gina Houston was a friend of Robert's, and I have friend in quotations. In quotations, yeah. Because she was more so using Robert. Gina was described as a con artist, thief, drug addict, sex worker, and on occasion, madame of a busy brothel but they did have a mutual business partnership and that was that robert would help her with money and food and gina would help him find and bring back women from the downtown east side back to the farm she would also bring other people into robert's life one being andrew bellwood when robert and andrew met they seemed to hit it off instantly andrew was described as a tall and lean as tall and lean with a preppy look to him but a crack addict with a criminal record and troubled past he would sometimes spend up to five thousand dollars on cocaine for three to four day binges
0: holy shit
1: like that's so much
0: how can you survive through that i know that's a lot in your system wow
1: yeah and yeah that's i don't know just the amount that these people are spending on drugs and stuff and and they feel like the need and it's necessary for them, right? Like, cause they have this addiction. It's just, oh.
0: it's it's horrible. And like you, like we discussed already, this is in the nineties. This isn't today. Yeah. So inflation.
1: Yeah. Right? I know. I'm not even going to look up that inflation and make us more upset. Yeah. So anyway, on one particular evening, Robert wanted Andrew to go get a sex worker with him. This didn't interest Andrew. So he refused but Robert proceeded to tell him what he did to sex workers. He reached under his mattress, grabbing a set of handcuffs. Then he pulled out a belt and a wire. He told Andrew he would pick them up from the downtown east side, drawing them in with drugs and money. He'd bring them to his farm, do them doggy style on his bed, which gave him the opportunity to be behind them. He then handcuffed them before moving on to strangle them. He'd tell them that everything was going to be all right. Things are going to be okay now. That's a good girl.
0: Fuck. What a sick, perverted fuck.
1: It's just nasty. He told Andrew how much they would bleed. He'd take them out to the barn. He'd hang them, bleed them, and gut them. And whatever the pigs didn't eat, he'd throw in a barrel to take to the waste plant.
0: Fuck. Fuck. Yeah, this is where we get into the, uh, well, the very famous parts of this story.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of famous parts of the story. We're not quite there. Yeah. Okay, but imagine being told something like that by someone. Like, I just don't, I think I would just be terrified.
0: What would you do in that situation? Like, imagine you're in that situation. What would your reaction be? Well, obviously you have like an internal reaction, but how would you deal with that situation? Well, because you were alone in a house with a fucking murderer. Now
1: you'd have to just fake that. It was like, fine. Yeah, I think to get yourself out of that situation. But then the thing is like, I feel like I would go instantly and report that, which a lot of people don't end up doing. Yeah, but that's because Robert then gets in their head and scares the shit out of them. So like this next part, Robert clearly regretted telling Andrew this. Because days later, he would accuse Andrew of stealing tools from him and arrange for some guys to come and talk to him, which, you know, means he got the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. He was told he had 24 hours to get the tools back to Robert or he'd be a dead man. The next day, Andrew would head to the ferry terminal crossing the ocean to head home to his mother's house in Anibo. He was treated in hospital for a broken nose but never set foot on the Picton farm again and never reported the incident to the police. Fuck.
0: That's scary.
1: Well, it's like Robert has these people like right where he wants them. Yeah.
0: Well, he's got like influence over certain individuals that you don't want to be on the bad side of.
1: He feels confident enough to share this weird shit with everyone because he just thinks that he's going to keep getting away with it. And he does.
0: Well, because he at this point is getting away with it. He has all the power on his side. Anyone who he's talking to, and like, they know he can get away with this shit.
1: Yep. Now, the next incident is so disturbing, if this shit hasn't been disturbing enough. (sighs) And it involves an incident with Lynn Ellingson and what Lynn would see. Lynn was also introduced to Robert through Gina. They met when staying at a woman's shelter at the same time. Lynn was a single mother addicted to alcohol and cocaine and was at the shelter after breaking up with an abusive partner. And something I didn't even put in here is Robert also likes to feel like he's helping people, too. Like, he, I literally think that he thought that he was, like, a good person sometimes in in how he was helping people.
0: Probably, because he's probably got this, like, mindset. It's like, well, I'm doing a good thing because I'm going to pay them to do this thing and I'm going to give them money.
1: Or he thinks that he's like helping people with their addictions and stuff. Like it's just really messed up.
0: He thinks he's a savior, but he's just a douche canoe.
1: Yep. So the shelter Lynn was staying at only allowed for people to stay for a month at a time. Once Lynn's month was up, she initially moved in with a friend, but when that didn't work, in desperation, she needed somewhere else. When Gina suggested Robert's farm, she jumped. Fucking Gina. I know. What a bitch. (laughs) <laughs> like, she should know better, but I Well, don't know. she knows exactly well, she what she's doing. She, and she's helping Robert, right? And yeah. it's just, yeah.
0: She knows what she's doing.
1: She jumped at this. The farm always had work needing to be done. She didn't get a salary, but got money for food, drugs, and alcohol, and a place to stay. So she felt it was a good exchange.
0: So, so wait, wait. She wasn't getting paid for her work, but she was getting money.
1: Well, she was getting like money for food for drugs, for alcohol. Okay. Like he would supply those things to her. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, she
0: was essentially getting paid then, basically. Essentially,
1: yeah. Like, I mean, if you're getting your whole cost of living paid for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that what our salaries go to anyway, yep. actually?
0: Basically, so.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. My re- my little light bulb just went off. Yeah. So on the evening of March 20th, 1999, Robert and Lynn were out for a drive. A drive to downtown Vancouver's Oh, I said downtown. Okay. Vancouver's downtown east side. There you go. Robert asked Lynn what she was going to do for the evening in which she responded was to get high. Robert asked if it would be okay if she picked up a girl for the night. Lynn said it was fine. And I 100% think Robert knew what he was doing here because when he found a girl he liked and asked her to come back to his place tonight, she looked to Lynn for reassurance. She asked her if she was going to be there, and Lynn said she lived there. So, of course, the woman felt comfortable to get in the car and go there. Mm -hmm. Because remember, everyone down there was like kind of on edge because they were very much so aware that people were missing and there was a serial killer on the loose.
0: And there was like uh, an atmosphere where the girls were looking after each other sort of thing, right? Exactly. So, fuck.
1: So, Lynn being in the car just like... Gave Maybe. her that
0: confidence, and that yeah. That it's gonna be affirmation, okay. Fuck. and
1: also Lynn like had drugs on her lap, I think too. And so then this the sex worker wanted that as well, right? Yep. So Lynn and the woman smoked crack together for a bit before Robert was ready to take the woman to his room. Lynn would also go to her room and continue to do drugs. At some point, Lynn would hear a noise, a scream. She thought, which came from outside. She went to Robert's room, saw that it was empty, and then noticed a light on in the barn where Robert was, where he normally does his butchering. (laughs) Still hearing odd noises, she decided to walk over to the barn. When she got closer, she could smell something awful, and as she pushed open the barn door, that's when she saw. She saw the woman's body hanging She mostly remembers her legs and her painted nail polish, but she knew how she was hanging. It was the same way the pigs would hang after being slaughtered. Like, I just can't, I can't even imagine walking into something like that. Yeah. Holy shit. Robert noticed Lynn enter the barn grabbed her, and brought her closer to the whole situation, but she avoided looking around and remembers how sick she felt. Robert saying to her that it was okay. She's just like a pig anyways. It's all right. It's going to be all right. Fuck.
0: This fucking guy.
1: The way that he talks about people just is disgusting. Oh,
0: yeah. the way Like, he-, he
1: doesn't even give a shit, which is just mind-blowing.
0: No, he doesn't. And because, like, not only the way that he treated this individual and has her fucking hanging like a pig, Mm -hmm. but how he's treating the next girl. And it's just like, doesn't give a shit about what she's thinking or anything.
1: No. He continued with his butchering until he threatened her not to say a word to anyone or that she'd be next right next to the woman. Mm -hmm. She told him she wouldn't say a word and only wanted her dope and booze. He walked Lynn back to the trailer where she packed her bag Robert gave her some money, called a cab, and told her to call him tomorrow. It's unclear what Lynn's exact involvement with Robert was after what she witnessed, but the incident once again didn't re- get reported as Lynn feared Robert. I mean, he did threaten her, and he, she was very much so dependent on him for money and
0: drugs. Well, how how much of an impact do you think it would make if— if you're standing next to a half butchered oh. individual with the perpetrator right there holding I'm assuming uh I don't know maybe a cleaver or a big old fucking butchering knife with of some blood sort
1: everywhere basically and
0: saying keep your mouth shut or it's you next.
1: Oh my gosh, I just think you just I would be so terrified. Yeah. It, it'd be unbelievable. Now and you were living with him, you know what kind of influence and shit this guy has. So Yeah.
0: I mean I don't think that's an excuse to not be reporting stuff after the fact no, once, once you're no, safe. But, no. I mean, in that meantime,
1: fuck. But to her, in her mind and stuff, Robert was the one making her safe. Yeah. Right prior to.
0: All I know is at the first moment I got, I would literally be running down that fucking road.
1: Oh, my gosh. I know. Oh, my gosh. I, oh, okay. Let's <laughs> i just can't
0: like i i would not be sleeping that night i'd be like yeah she probably
1: didn't give me some weed
0: and some booze or whatever drug it is and you know i probably i I mean maybe you'd need to do it to get your fix or the stress of the situation i mean yeah i'd probably need a drink actually now i think of it but then i wouldn't be sleeping i'd be waiting for him to fucking go to sleep and i'd be playing it all cool and then i'd be gone at like fucking one in the morning i'm gone
1: yeah but then what if he went and like he spent all that time getting rid of all the evidence and shit and then also like think about the because the police weren't taking people seriously right that had like addictions or that were had like a, oh, yeah. a criminal past and stuff so they might not even take her word
0: yeah that's right? that's very much so true but i'm so, just saying if it were me in that situation i'd be high yeah. it like a little bitch oh yeah <laughs> guaranteed <laughs> i'd be squealing down the road <laughs> <laughs> like, this little piggy went home. Just Oh, my saying.
1: gosh. He would be running after you. It would be quite an interesting scene, actually. Okay. So, also in 1999, Bill H- would who worked for the Pictons, would report to the police information he heard from Yisa, Lisa Yelds. Lisa, who I haven't mentioned yet, was best friends with Robert and best friends with him for some time and an actual best friend, unlike Gina, she knew a lot of family secrets, though she didn't know about Robert's fascination with the downtown side. Anyway, Lisa had mentioned to Bill of seeing women's clothing items all over the place at Robert's, as well as purses and ID, IDs in his trailer. Stuff IDs, that people like IDs don't of leave women. behind. Yeah. Bill reported this to the police. And what a strange character Robert was. And he said, with all the women going missing and the attempted murder charge of Wendy, he felt this was quite a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Police attempted to question Lisa, but she had a strong distrust towards the police and so was not cooperative. Unfortunately, the police could not do anything with this information. This wasn't something they could obtain a search warrant for from. It was just verbal information reported by someone who was not directly a witness. Fuck. Yeah. Now I wanted to go over some of the details of what exactly the police were doing in regards to this case. So, I mean, we've already kind of touched, it took them quite a while
0: to do anything really like. Any sort of involvement. It it took them a long time to get involved. They
1: were very much so denying that there was a serial killer really, or anything going wrong. In 1999, The police department formed a working group called Project Amelia, which was looking at disappearances of 40 women between the years of 1971 and 1998. They had luck in locating some of the missing women on their list, actually, and very much so believed that a serial killer was at work.
0: Well, no shit. Yeah. (laughs) It took them long enough, eh?
1: But struggling with the old boys of the force who didn't seem to want to believe in new emerging methods of investigation, Mm -hmm. in 2000, the project was stopped with beliefs that the disappearances were going down and that they were stopped, but they hadn't stopped. So the decision was made to put the officers on more important investigations.
0: Now, I'm curious at what, I mean, older, new tactics, like it doesn't matter. I'm curious as to what it was that made them think that it was on a decline.
1: It had slowed down. It had like, there were some years where it was like, 13 or whatever and then it went down and there was like in one year it was like five and then that year where it stopped there had only been one so far so they were thinking that it was just like on the decline so like wishful thinking almost it seemed like
0: i mean even still the they say okay there is a possibility of there being a serial killer out there and then all of a sudden it's on a decline that's pretty convenient so what do you do oh Let's just ignore it.
1: Well, what? But, and because like, who cares if it was on a decline? Exactly. There was still all these missing women. Exactly. Did they not feel like they needed to figure that out?
0: Yeah. And so. so they think, yeah, there's a serial killer. They start looking into it. Wouldn't it be convenient and normal for that to be a decline? Wouldn't that indicate that, yeah, they're right? Because now the serial killer is backing off mm-hmm. with the investigations ensuing? Yeah. So clearly... That is confirming their suspicions. Because
1: there was even times that they would be fo- they would follow Picton and stuff or Robert, but they he always seemed like he knew, right? And yeah. so then at those moments in time, like he wouldn't do anything wrong.
0: Yeah. So and then so yeah, of course, whenever a serial killer, you know, I don't know, stops doing bad things, you just let them get away with it. Clearly,
1: yeah. Holy,
0: Fuck.
1: holy. Okay, in two thousand one. Project Evenhanded would take on missing files from Project Amelia. The team was a joint force, though. It was a joint force of RCMP and Vancouver Police Department investigators. And their starting point was to acknowledge that the Vancouver Police Department had refused to accept that a serial killer was responsible for the disappearances.
0: Good. So
1: this one, like, this, like, seems when shit legitly started here.
0: It's when the foot was put down. And it's like, okay. We need to do something. Yeah. And it took long enough.
1: So instead of just investigating missing women, they were also looking at suspected men, which is what needed to be happening. Awesome. Robert was on that list, and he was actually considered top priority.
0: Dun, dun, dun.
1: But they needed some sort of lucky break, because you can't just... Like I think you need you need you need proof and stuff to like get in search warrants and stuff, oh, yeah. right? So they needed some sort of lucky break, and that's exactly what they got. RCMP officer Nathan Wells was dispatched to a dispute between Scott Chubb and his common law wife Tasha, who he was separated with at the time. Nathan, the officer, had been on the force for less than a year. Nathan de-escalated the situation between. Scott, and Tasha by talking to Scott for some time. He also realized Scott may be a useful source to him at some point in time, so established a sort of friendship with him and left him with his number.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot
1: Within the Coquitlam's RCMP drug section, when Scott would give him a call suggesting that they should meet, you see, Scott had just lost his job and needed money for rent, so was looking at providing Nathan with information in exchange for money.
0: Mm, gotcha.
1: So I didn't even know, like that was a thing that people would go to the police to do. Well, I mean, but
0: anything if can you be have purchased, the, right? If you have the
1: information, I guess, yeah. right? So long story short, Scott knew of a person with illegal, unregistered firearms in his possession, and that person was Robert
0: Picton. See, you you said a moment or two ago that the, the RCMP needed a lucky break. This isn't a lucky break as far as I'm concerned, because Robert is flailing things like this around. Yeah. Um, and to a lot of individuals who are passing through his property. It's not So necess- it's about time, really. Yeah, it's not a lucky break. It's something was going to catch up to him eventually. Something had to give. And I think he got away with it far longer than he should have.
1: Way too fucking long.
0: So yeah, like you said, it was about time.
1: Well, even with these gun these guns, like apparently he had even like let Scott borrow them and stuff. Like he'd like to he'd like to show things oh, off. Oh yeah. And stuff. He was like, a very
0: showboaty individual. If you actually look at things. Yeah. For example, when that girl, what was her name? Uh who saw the other girl hanging in the barn?
1: Uh li- Lynn. Lynn.
0: I Lynn. think it was Lynn, yeah. So what did he do? He brought her in and showed her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding me? What's Any murder movie or anything, what's fucking rule number one? You don't tell anyone about it. Mm -hmm. What does he fucking do?
1: And he tells a lot of people a lot of weird shit. Exactly. But it never seems to catch up to him until now. Here, so. So, like
0: you say, it's about time.
1: Yeah, I um was distracted there because I realized I got a name wrong. But it was so I said, okay, I was going to say as Scott move forward, but it says Nathan move forward with the this information. He seemed to dawdle his I's and cross his T's, and a search warrant was obtained. It also had been asked, they had asked if a few members from Project Evenhanded could attend the search, with Nathan saying yes.
0: Awesome. Keeping those eyes open when they're in there then.
1: Yeah, exactly. So on February 5th, 2002, officers raided the pig farm. In addition to several illegal and unregistered firearms, as expected, they also found numerous items connecting missing women to the property. Numerous.
0: Yeah. Who didn't see that coming?
1: No shit. Robert was initially arrested on weapon charges and released on bail. He was kept under surveillance, not permitted to return to the pig farm, while police conducted a thorough search under a second search warrant, using what they had seen on the property to search the farm as part of the B.C. Missing Women investigation. And it actually, okay, in the book, like that book that I read, um, the police at first were like, almost seemed like they were shocked at things they were finding. Like they knew that there was a serial killer and stuff, but like what they walked into, it was just like, a gold mine of like, whoa, like we got this guy, like, holy yeah. heck, like this, this is happening kind of thing.
0: Well, I mean, the reality hits though too, right? It's like, yeah, okay, there's a serial killer out there, but to actually be there, see it, find it mm-hmm. and understand that this single person is responsible for all of this. The
1: extent of it. The extent
0: yeah. that that's going to hit home. That's going to make anyone say fucking, whoa.
1: Yeah. Like, I think that they, yeah, it was just, like, holy. And then Nathan, he was actually the one that, um, arrested, like, arrested Robert, like, this young RCMP, like.
0: Fucking good on Nathan. Like, so,
1: I just think that's so awesome. And he was back at the police station and listening to, um, like, the police scanner and stuff because he was, like, oh, my gosh, like, please, I hope that they actually find these illegal weapons right like Mm -hmm. i hope like this guy wasn't just setting me up or something and just like the relief that he had when like he heard that they had found the guns and that they had also found all this other stuff and wow like right there you're like i'm good at my job
0: fucking rookie of the year
1: no kidding so among the evidence they discovered were handcuffs women's clothing and shoes. Jewelry, an asthma inhaler prescribed to Serena Abbotsway, who was one of the missing women being searched for. DNA testing of blood found in the trailer trailer, tested positive to be that of Mona Wilson, who was last seen in November of 2001. On February 22nd, 2002, Robert was rearrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder in the deaths of Serena Abbotsway and Mona Wilson. Mona. Mona Wilson. There we go.
0: This fucker. hmm He's in handcuffs and he's in fucking jail and fuck this guy.
1: Okay, well, just <sighs> wait till you hear this because this is actually like, it's not comical, but it's just like idiot. Like, he's just like an idiot.
0: Well, we already knew that part. We already knew he's a Idiot.
1: So while Robert was being held in jail, he shared a cell with an undercover RCMP officer who he believed to just be his cellmate. Mm-hmm. And like the idiot Robert is, he did some confessing in his jail cell to that cellmate. As he sat there eating his nasty meal, like anything this dude is, does, is just nasty to me. He's a nasty mofo. He basically confessed to murdering 49 women and that he got sloppy and wanted one more to make it an even 50. 50. Yeah. Disgusting. He also went on to say he filled syringes with antifreeze. And when you inject the stuff, you're dead in about 5 to 10 minutes. Fuck. When the undercover officer mentioned the ocean was a good place to ditch bodies, he said he did better than that. A rendering plant. Which is a place that oh. takes animal waste and basically converts it into other usable material. So being that Robert was a pig farmer, he had access to this type of plant and no red flags would go, about, go off with Robert making regular deliveries there. The rendering plant was also close to Vancouver's east side. So he would literally, like I just imagine, probably go dump bo- wasted body parts and pick up some someone new.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause he would, he would like hide a lot of it on like the bottom of the buckets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'd be like bones, feet, or whatever from like animals, animal carcasses that you don't use.
1: You mm-hmm.
0: can just stow it in there and it'd be turned into a, a lot of it, I think, was like cosmetics and stuff
1: Soap and stuff yeah yeah so Which that's where
0: gross yeah but, so the, so anyone living in in british columbia canada in like uh, late 90s early 2000s remember those like little chapstick things that all those little girls would have yeah probably potentially tainted
1: cool but just <laughs> you wait and this actually just triggered a memory to come back um because there would be at times people picking up his waste. Mm-hmm. And there would be like people um, saying they noticed chunks of meat in there and stuff, which was just like not normal or it'd be like charred. Yeah. And but then this no one really, they're just like did their job and like never really questioned anything, mm. which is just, ugh. Okay. Meanwhile, the pig farm began the, became the largest crime scene in Canadian history. During the early days of evac- er, excavations, forensic anthropologists brought in heavy equipment to shift, sift through 387,000 cubic yards of soil, including two 50, feet, 50 foot flat conveyor belts and soil shif- shifters to find traces of human remains. Like they had a lot of soil to go through. Oh,
0: yeah, they did. This
1: is absolutely nuts. Investigators took 200,000 DNA samples and seized 600,000 exhibits. The cost of the investigation was estimated at nearly $70 million.
0: Wow.
1: Which I'm like, who the fuck paid for that? But I think I know, and it's disgusting. Yeah. That is a lot. The fact that that took... Like, I mean, of course they needed to do that. Oh, yeah. But it's like, this freaking asshole cost people that much money? Like, are you serious? Well, yeah.
0: It's like, he cost lives, and then he made civilians pay for his repercussion.
1: That's just... It's just mind-blowing. Yeah. Okay, here I go. Among the few items I already mentioned as being found, they also found a partial jaw in an area Robert fed his pigs decomposing human remains in five-gallon pails, blood-soaked clothing, vertically cut human heads within buckets in the freezer, important documentation with victims' names, hands, feet, feet dildos, one apparently being attached to a .22 caliber revolver, which... <laughs> so like a silencer, right? An, if I think it was a silencer. That's from what, I, and I didn't like really dive in super deep, but what I read, it said that he was using that as a silencer, which, which is really weird. fucked up. More decomposing remains in a garbage bag, teeth, large amounts of blood, Fuck. and syringes filled with a blue liquid.
0: Antifreeze. hmm Fuck.
1: And I could go on and on, but I figured that was enough. He also was, like, terrible with, a- like, animal cruelty. The pigs that he had, oh, my gosh, on his farm were, like, not taken care of well. They were – it was awful. Like, just awful. Super neglected. Like, there's lots – I think one of them it said, had a baby. But then all these babies ended up sliding into mud or something and died. And then the mom, like, could barely walk. And it was just, like – Most of them were just... They had to put a lot of them down because they were just not... He just didn't give a shit about anything. Fucking picked him. And here's how the charges followed. On April 2nd, two more charges were added for the murders of Jacqueline McDonald, Diane Rock, and Heather Bottomley. A sixth charge for the murder of Andrea Josbury was laid on April 9th. Followed shortly by a seventh for Brenda Wolfe. On September 20th, four more charges were added for the slayings of Georgina Pappen, Patricia Johnson, Helen Hallmark, and Jennifer Ferminger. Four more charges for the murders of Helen Chinook, Tanya Holk, Sherry I- Ivring, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing these names wrong. I'm seriously trying. And Igna Hall were laid on October 3rd, bringing the total to 15. On May 22nd, 2005, 12 more charges were laid against Picton for the killings of Kara Ellis, Andrea Borhaven, Deborah Lynn Jones, Marnie Frey, Tiffany Drew, Carrie Kolsky, Sarah Devers, Cynthia Velkix, Angela Jardine, Wendy Crawford, Diana Melnick, and Jane Joe, bringing the total number of first degree murder charges to 27.
0: And he openly admitted to a cellmate of 49.
1: Yep. So unfortunately, They didn't get him for all of them. Like they couldn't find evidence that linked him to 49 cases. Mm -hmm. Now, before I move into talking about the trial, something else noteworthy to mention is that on March 10th, 2004, Dr. Perry Kendall, BC's senior health officer, had an announcement to make. And it goes as followed. I don't know if you remember this. I don't
0: think I do remember this.
1: As a result of information we received from RCMP, we have reason to believe there is a strong possibility that some of the product Mm. from the Picton farm and how much the RCMP do not know may still be sitting in people's freezers in the lower mainland. Yeah. Basically, meat from the farm could have been mixed with human flesh and sold to the public. The other claim being that human remains were fed directly to the pigs. That's all I'm going to mention about that, but Dr. Kendall did say the health risk of eating this meat could be a bacterial infection, but that was even unlikely unless someone ate it raw and uncooked. The thing that concerns me the most, though, with this announcement is like the pain and trauma. It must have caused the victim's loved ones. Yep. Like that is just gut wrenching. Yeah. It's gut wrenching.
0: And I do just want to point out though, the the potential of Picton just throwing the meat in grinders with um with pork, very slim.
1: Yeah, I don't think that was really his no. like full intention.
0: Well, that's what people kind of blew it out to be. Like- they did. Yeah. I mean, there's a potential that he did that, but it's not most likely what he did. He could
1: have with some for sure. Like, I don't think anyone like knows for certain. Uh,
0: It's probably just cross-contamination is what it was. He probably used the equipment to dispose of people's remains. And I mean, we know he was not very clean.
1: Uh, And he probably just,
0: once he was done and then got on to butchering the pigs, Butchered the pigs with the whatever. The same, the
1: exact same stuff. But then also the pigs consuming. Yeah. Because there was bones and stuff that, that too throughout, right? That they had been like eating. Mm-hmm. And he even said that he would f- feed things to the pigs. Yep. So I don't know. I honestly, actually, feel like I remember that happening, um, being announced, and just like.
0: Yeah. No, I didn't realize what you what uh, announcement you were going off on, and and yeah, I, I recall it too.
1: Yeah. Because um, like we live in the same province, so it was kind of like holy shit, but we're not in the lower mainland. But
0: there's a lot of a lot of product that comes from down there that gets shipped up here. There's yeah. a very real possibility that our supply was their supply. So you and I could very well have been on Picton's fucking tainted supply list.
1: Yeah. I mean at Lotsie Bone BC could have been Oh yeah. So that is just... It's unbelievable. It's literally unbelievable.
0: It makes my stomach fucking turn.
1: Yep. This guy is so disgusting. Okay, so moving on to the trial. Although Robert had claimed to murder 49 women, he was only charged with 27 and later 26 when one charge of the Jane Doe victim was dismissed for lack of information. Robert would, however... First be tried for six counts of first degree murder. It was explained that the judge made the deci- the decision to split the charges because doing all 26 at once would have put an unreasonable burden on the jury as the trial could have lasted like upwards of two years.
0: Mm, that's fair.
1: It does seem fair. that would be a, that would be insane. So those six counts were for Serena. Abbotsway, who disappeared in August 2001 at the age of 29. Mona Lee Wilson at age 26 disappeared in November 2001. Andrea Josbury was last seen in June 2001 at age 22. Brenda Ann Wolfe at age 32 was last seen in February 1999. Marnie Lee Frey, 24 years old, was last seen in August 1997, and Georgina Faith Papen, last seen in March 1999, and was 37 years old. On December 9, 2007, the jury returned a verdict that Robert was found not guilty on six counts of first-degree murder, but was guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. A second-degree murder charge has a punishment of of a life sentence with no possibility of parole for 10 to 25 years. The judge sentenced Robert to a maximum with no possibility of parole for 25 years. And those convictions were upheld by the Supreme Court of Canada in 2010. After the trial... British Columbia Crown prosecutors kept open for the possibility of trying Robert on the remaining 20 charges. However, on August 4, 2010, prosecutors announced they would not proceed on the 20 charges. They said a second trial, even if further convictions were achieved, would not add anything to Robert's punishment because he had already received the maximum. So I feel like I personally have mixed feelings about this. Yep. And so did the families. It angered some of them as they, as I'm sure they felt that they weren't getting the justice they wanted for their loved ones. But then others said they were relieved at being spared the experience of another long and difficult trial.
0: That's fair too.
1: So I don't know. I just feel though, if there is ever the chance that he like is living, After these 25 years, that if he was actually tried for all of these, I don't know. Wouldn't that just make it it better that he would stay in there even longer?
0: Yeah, you would think so.
1: So, I don't know. But then also, he already costs everyone so much money and that would cost a lot more. I don't know. I just have super mixed feelings about it. I think... But I do think it probably should have gone forward.
0: I mean, he's got he's got the maximum already and there was all these additional ones on top of it that should add something like what? There's just a cap. of like, okay, you get the maximum for X amount of people. Any X amount of people you killed after that, you just get away. Scott. It does seem
1: really, it does seem weird.
0: Like, the, like <sighs> there, there's just no charge for those. Like what? I
1: don't know. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Oh, no. it, I it know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. but it may, it, Parts of it make sense, but I do feel like they should have probably still just gone ahead
0: with it. Well, any other case that I've really ever heard. It it's like, like they do. But yeah, they do. They it, it adds up. It's like you get like 310 fucking years in jail. Yeah. Why does he only get like 25?
1: I know. Because like what happens when he reaches that 25 years if he's still alive? Like holy shit.
0: Oh, like it would be a civil war in Canada with oh him gosh, being let Oh my gosh. There's go. just
1: like no way. I mean, I don't – there's just no way.
0: They're like – I can't imagine – oh, like – It would be hell. Well, we haven't even
1: done the math of this. Like, when was this dude born here? He was born in 1949.
0: Are we mathing this right now? Yeah. We're going to pause
1: this for one second and math this. Okay. So, Robert was basically 58 years old when he got, like, convicted. So, 20 plus 25 years is, like, 83. So, like, there is, like, the possibility
0: that he could
1: still be alive, which is terrifying. If he
0: ever fucking gets out of jail, oh, my God, (sighs) shit is going to hit the fan. Oh, Yeah. Like, yeah, I totally would. Because, yeah, the rest of the people that he could have been convicted for, and he's just walking free. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck?
1: Well, yeah, because there's also the thing of like um, consecutive. Sentences. Yeah, but is that not for second degree? I don't know. It just This whole thing. But anyway, he's not going to get out. He's never going to get out. I just don't think he's ever going to get out.
0: I really hope not.
1: Okay, one last thing to note, and I almost left this out uh, due to the length, but I think it's really important. And that is that in 2010, a provincial government in- inquiry was established to examine the Picton case and how it was handled by authorities. In December of 2012, a final report was issued by the Miss- Missing Women Commission of Inquiry titled Forsaken. We'll put the link to the report in our show notes. But in short, it said um, blatant failures by police, including inept criminal investigative work com- compounded by police and social prejustice against sex trade workers and indigenous women, had led to a trajectory of epic proportions. The inquiry issued 63 recommendations, including the creation of a greater Vancouver regional police force to allow for more effective, less fragmented police cooperation. It also called for adequate funding for emergency shelters for women in the sex trade and for compensation for children of the missing women. Following the report, the Vancouver police department implemented several policies and, um, Changes to its missing persons investigations, including making the missing persons unit a regular part of the police department and starting missing person investigations without delay and also not closing them until the person was like found. Good. And one very, very, very last mention, because I didn't know where else to put this. And I apologize ahead of time because it's going to make you very angry. But the clothes and rubber boots Robert had been wearing the evening of Wendy's attack, the attack we started with, mm-hmm. well, those were seized by police and left in an RCMP storage locker for more than seven years. In 2004, they were tested for DNA and two of the victims, Kara Ellis and Andrea Borhaven's DNA, was found on them. Fuck. And I had not heard that before, and I was like, "Holy yeah, I haven't heard that
0: before either." Shit. Seven years, they left it in the locker.
1: They didn't test. Holy they fuck. Didn't test it. Why? I mean, I mean, did they? They just didn't think that they probably had to.
0: I mean, if but, they, they already had the DNA elsewhere, I mean, I guess yeah, but you should still probably fucking test that because it could have come up with. Other names. Other individuals.
1: I know, because even at one point when Robert was kind of like, they're eyeing him up a little bit. Did they not be like, oh my gosh, like we have these boots. They had them.
0: Wait, when did they have them, sorry?
1: Well, they had them for like, right after Wendy's thing. Oh, after Wendy's thing. Wendy, and Wendy was in 1997. Oh,
0: shit. I thought you meant like, when he was actually arrested but no that no. was holy fuck like
1: for the attack where the victim survived right
0: wow like how
1: i started this episode yeah wow yeah like that almost is enough to okay make it
0: Ill. wow um that's fucking scary and dark and really fucking sad thank you for bringing that to my life
1: <laughs> i'm sorry holy shit i know i pretty much well yeah i'm started and ended this uh podcast with wendy and that's a tough pill to swallow right there.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, I've heard this case a few different times, a few different ways. I've never heard that piece of information before. Yeah, me neither. Holy so. fuck. You good? I'm good. So that's Robert Picton, eh? That's
1: Robert Picton.
0: Holy shit. Well, well done. Um, fuck Robert Picton.
1: He's yeah. a douche. Yeah, he is a nasty mofo.
0: And I hope he never gets out of prison.
1: No, he better not. He can't. He I, can't.
0: I will fucking lose my shit mm-hmm. if it ever there gets There would to that be point. um
1: what are, what's that called like when people start petitions? Yeah, a petition would hundred like that. I've seen that started oh, for there, other. There would be more than petitions. There would be a lot of
0: things started. <laughs> Robert Picton would have pickets outside his prison <sighs> and petitions for Picton's. I'm I'm trying to say stuff to start to pee but I I lost my train sorry
1: yeah Yeah. well anyway thanks for listening that was quite it's quite a doozy of a case so yeah and well done
0: we appreciate you guys being here of course check out our social links down below we've got Instagram Facebook all the good ones of course Patreon we have merch as well you can go check out our merch support us anyway even just listening we really appreciate it it supports us and it means a lot so thank you very much thank you and of course as always
1: stay wicked (laughs)